Michael Memorial Baptist Church has a special place in my heart. As Tony mentioned, uh, I met my wife, Melanie, and I'm sorry to say I had never even heard of Gulfport, Mississippi. Along with being on the radio, I do stand-up comedy, and I got an invitation nearly 20 years ago to join Christian singer Kelly Willard, and we came to Michael Memorial Baptist Church in Gulfport, Mississippi. She was going to do the music, and I was going to do stand-up comedy. Candy and Lowry had a fish fry at their house tied in with the radio station, and I went to the fish fry, and I saw the most stunning strawberry blonde who was at the fish fry, and uh, we, uh, Melly and I, got engaged 19 years ago tomorrow. And so uh, I want to say thank you to uh, people in this room who were Melanie's Sunday school teachers and classmates and friends, because when the Lord sent Melanie, I absolutely hit the jackpot. And it's because of your influence in her life. I'm so thankful for, for Candy and Lowry raising a godly uh, Christian young lady, and I'm reaping all the benefits. And in fact, today is Lowry Anderson's birthday. And so many of you uh, have been touched by his life. What a remarkable uh, man, larger than life. I'm so thankful for Cooper Ferris and his influence in, in Melanie's life and our life. And so, yeah, it just seems like it just came full circle. The first time I came to Gulfport, was to Michael Memorial Baptist Church. This sounds strange for you to hear, but I had never in my life eaten crawfish. Uh, I was born and raised in Kentucky where we were raised on mutton and burgoo. Don't ask. You don't want to know. But I'm thankful for my godly, gorgeous wife, and for me it all started right here at Michael Memorial Baptist Church in Gulfport nearly 20 years ago. And you know what? They can say what they want about e-harmony. Uh, you don't have to be lonely with michaelmemorial.com. <laughs> Only five minutes into the sermon, I've already embarrassed my teenage daughters. Isn't that sort of the role of a parent? You're supposed to do that early and often. I'm not a preacher, in full disclosure. I'm not an evangelist. I'm a DJ for American Family Radio, W-A-O-Y. How many listen to AFR? Wonderful. Thank you. I'm so grateful for American Family Association, American Family Radio, Don Wildman, Tim, Tim Wildman, the Wildman family. They really do have a heart for faith, family, and freedom. And I'm thankful for Christian radio, Christ-centered programming, music, and teaching, and, and so many of you that listen to AFR and you hear the songs, how many have ever had a song stuck in your head? You're just going along and you have a song stuck in your head that you didn't try to memorize the lyrics, you weren't trying to learn the song, you find yourself humming and singing. Well, that happened to a fellow who, he had the song, The Green, Green Grass of Home, stuck in his head. And he was just humming and singing the green, green grass of home. And days turned into weeks. And he got so concerned, he went to the doctor. He said, doctor, I've had the song, the green, green grass of home, stuck in my head. And I'm getting concerned. He explained to the doctor what was going on. The doctor said, you've got the Tom Jones syndrome. He said, Tom Jones syndrome? Why? I've never even heard of that. He said, is, is that common? The doctor said, it's not unusual. Now we're going to have that song stuck in our head. <laughs> it's a real privilege to be here on Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, January, Sanctity of Human Life Month. Thank you, Tony and Lisa, among the people that I've mentioned. You're right, we're a, a practically family members, and our daughter Lauren has grown up with your children, and what a blessing to be here What's happening in America is a modern-day holocaust. Approximately one out of three pregnancies end in abortion. More than 95% of all babies prenatally diagnosed with Down syndrome are aborted. More than 50 million babies have been aborted since Roe v. Wade. 
If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. While you're turning, Psalm 139, verse 13 through 16, there was a little girl who was fascinated by her brand new baby cousin. So she went and asked her mom, she said, Mom, can we have a baby? She said, no, 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 dear. She said, please, please, let's have a baby. And her mother said, no, no, no. She said, well, why? She said, well, for a lot of reasons, but for one, babies are so expensive. She said, well, how much does a baby cost? Her mother said, about $10,000. Little girl thought for a second and said, that's really not a whole lot of money. When you consider how long they last. (laughs) All life is precious in the sight of God from conception to natural death. Psalm 139, verse 13 through 16, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Genesis 1, verse 27 and 28, these familiar words. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. You were created in the image of God. You were made by God. You are loved by God. Not one person in this room is an accident. You are part of God's design. He was thinking about you. You were made on purpose. You were knitted together fearfully and wonderfully in your mother's womb. God loves you. He's wild about you. He's head over heels in love with you. Listen, if God had a wallet, your picture would be in it. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5. Sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children, a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Someone said having children is like living in a frat house. Everything is broken, nobody sleeps, and there's a lot of throwing up. (laughs) You know, we laugh about that, and, and I thought that was funny. But the world has one definition of life. The secular world says that children are a bother. Children are a burden. They're under feet. They got sticky fingers. You can't have any nice furniture. You ladies, your figure is ruined. They they stymie your career, your your career path or your spirit. Uh, the, the trajectory of where you were going in sports, and the world says that children are a bother and a burden, and they're in the way. And if, you, if they're inconvenient, you can abort the baby. Instead of believing what the secular world says and preaches and campaigns for, I'd rather believe what we, were, we just saw in Psalm 127. God declares that children are a blessing. He says they're our heritage, He says that they are a reward, a gift from his own hand. So if you are a parent, if you have a child, if you're a grandparent, God searched throughout all of the universe and said, I want to reward him. I want to reward her. I want to give them a gift. Now, if somebody gives you a gift, we just came through Christmas, somebody gives you a gift, if it's an aunt or a neighbor or Uh, Somebody that really doesn't know you that well, they can give you something that's the wrong size or the wrong color, and you go, you smile on the outside, on the inside, you just think, man, this thing's going into a yard sale immediately. What a tacky, terrible gift. But think about the one who made you, who has the very hairs on your head counted, and he sees when a sparrow falls, and he knows everything about you. He was there helping and watching as you were knitted together in your mother's womb, And he said, I'm going to give her a gift. I'm going to give him a gift. And if God gives you a gift, 
You don't have to worry about if it requires batteries or if some assembly is required or if it's the wrong size or if it's the wrong color. God gives perfect gifts. And babies, that is his idea. And God is pro-life. And I'm thankful on this Sanctity of Human Life Sunday to declare that with authority. I like God's opinion of children. They're our heritage. They're a reward. And they're blessing. All life is precious. But let's talk about babies. We love babies at our house. Talked about coming full circle and starting here. Met Melanie. She had two-year-old Lauren. So when we married, I was a a microwave dad. And uh, Lauren, uh, terrible twos. That was my introduction to being a father. She was very, very intelligent, precocious, very, very busy. And I remember after just a few hours, I, I thought, this, is a, this has been a lot of fun being a dad. <clears throat> but she was so busy, I thought, can we just take the batteries out of her and put her up on a shelf and, and get her back down another day? You know, that was a real baptism in fire. i got to tell this quick story because some of, so many of you know our daughter, Lauren, who's just a beautiful and so smart. And she had such a large vocabulary and she was, she was just so precocious. I know one day I came home and they were swimming, and I, just to give you a little background, and I said, have you and Mama been swimming today? She said, sporadically. Man, <clears throat> need to look that word up. But when it, there was just the three of us, uh, Melanie and, and Lauren and I, we took our, we were at the house and we took our eyes off of her for about two minutes. You parents know the drill. You say, where's the baby? Searched through the house quickly, found her in the kitchen, freezer door wide open. She had a tub of chocolate ice cream on her white floor, had the lid off, had a big serving spoon, serving spoon nearly as big as her head, and already covered from head to toe in chocolate, sitting in a puddle of chocolate on her white floor. Can you, can you picture that? Because she looked like a little chimpanzee with her feet holding the tub of ice cream. And, and you could see her eyes and her smile, but mostly everything else was chocolate. She looked like a little raccoon. And I mean chocolate in her hair, chocolate, gooey, sticky mess, sitting in a puddle of chocolate there on the floor. And when I went in, I just went off on her. I said, look what a mess you made. You got the refrigerator door, re- refrigerator door wide open. And I was giving her a hard time. When I caught my breath, she looked up and said, Daddy, you need to take your burdens to the Lord and lay them down. <laughs> Two or, three, two or three years old. Yeah, it, it gets worse. She's holding that spoon, chocolate dripping off her elbow. She said, you need to take your burdens to the Lord and lay them down. And when you lay them down, you need to leave them there. <laughs> Pretty good advice from a then two or three-year-old. Lauren, two years old, what seems like yesterday. Now she's a senior in college, a journalism major. And you get an opportunity, you should read her blogs. Uh, gifted blessing. But we, we love babies at our house. The original batch, we had a one-year-old, a two-year-old, a three-year-old, and an eight-year-old. Can you imagine a one-year-old, a two-year-old, a three-year-old, and an eight-year-old? There was a whole lot of crying that went on in our house, and sometimes the babies were crying. <laughs> Do you know that diaper spelled backwards is repaid? It, it really is. <laughs> diaper spelled backwards is repaid. We actually, for those of you that know our family might find this hard to believe, but we struggled with infertility. After we had Lauren, we just said we wanted to add to our family, and uh, months turned into years, and we prayed, and we were unsuccessful, and it was about three and a half years before the Lord sent Sadie. Uh, Sadie Morgan is the artist in our family. When all the other kids were watching TV, she was turned the other way. In fact, she entered her first art contest back in the fall, nine high schools. The college did the, uh, the, they had the jury of the college teachers, art teachers, and Sadie won first place. And then she just recently won first place uh, for um, uh, another art contest in Memphis, and they asked could they display her work in the Memphis Museum of Art. And we just heard, that was a few weeks ago, we just heard last week, those folks said, we are so impressed with this artwork, do you mind if we send her work to New York for it to compete nationally, and if she wins, 
do we have your permission to put it on a traveling tour and let her art tour the nation? So we saw the artistic ability in her when she was very little. You know how God has blessed you with your children and grandchildren. You see which way they're bent, and you just try to support that. She used to sleep with an Etch-A-Sketch. You remember the things you shake with the, the handles? And as I mentioned, when the kids would be watching TV, she was turned the other way drawing, and you rarely see her without a sketch pad. But every one of our children, Lauren is such a blessing and so talented and so gifted. Sadie, as I've mentioned, I could go on and on. Maddie, our next child, she's a gymnast. Uh, level 10, a little beyond that, is Olympics. Maddie made it to level 7. She retired at 13 years old from gymnastics because of some several injuries. And a couple of hours after she retired, the competing gym called and asked, could they hire her as their gymnastics instructor? And she's been doing that since she was 13. Tell you this quick story about Maddie. We were at church. Church was over. Several of us couples with small children in the back of the church, the little ones were playing and, and we'd we had let time slip away, and we said, we'll never find a restaurant open, and so we, we looked to get our children all gathered up, and everybody's attention was on the altar, and just then, Maddie, who was four or five years old, slipped to the altar, put her little head on her hands, and just went, Melanie and I hugged ourselves. Everybody ooed and awed, and we thought, wow, what a blessing. Tony, you take them to church, you take them to Sunday school, you read and pray and try to be a, a good role model and a good Christian family, but to actually see that little cherub, that sweet little angel come to the altar and, and lay her head on bended knees, unprompted, and go, pss, pss, pss. then she went, eight, nine, ten, ready or not, here I come. <laughs> <clears throat> Jumped up and started racing, chasing the other kids. Those of you that have children and grandchildren, you've got so many of those same stories. Our next child was Cooper, our son. And uh, I'll mention more about Coop later. And then we had Casey James Jasper, beautiful, smart, just like her sister. She brings joy to our family every single day. Um, we were shocked. We weren't surprised. We were shocked to find out that we had twins on the way. And... Uh, my boss, when he found out that I wasn't joking when I announced it in devotion and said we had twins on the way, he said, I'm going to start calling you Jabraham. <laughs> Our pro-life story has so many different levels. After the death of our son, Cooper, which you talk about being pro-life, we are a passionate pro-life family and believe that every life is beautiful and every life is is, should be protected, and, and that, uh, that we just believe in, in life, the sanctity of human life from conception to natural death. But that old adage about you don't know what you have until it's taken away, if it's possible that we could be more pro-life after losing our only son at the time, it just seems like it ratcheted it up to a whole other level. And we would tell our family and friends, we would say, in lieu of what happened to our family, we say, turn off the TV please, and get down on the floor and play with your children, play with your grandchildren, because you really don't know when's going to be the last opportunity to say, I love you to somebody you care about. And life is precious, but it's also fragile. And so the thought of having twins on the way, and we found out one was a boy, I got so excited. I thought, boy, God is such a redeemer. I've been given another chance. And those of you that know our story, we had an accident, and our son uh, was killed in an accident, and for me to, to have another, another son. Now, initially, I thought, you know what? We got twins on the way. We lost a son. If I was God, I think in pretty simple terms a lot of times, if I was God, I would give a family two sons. If they lost one, what a great testimony. People say that is a God thing, and I would have two boys. But it was okay. I had a son on the way. And then just a couple of days after our son Bodie was born, the doctors told us that he had Down syndrome. I would be less than honest if I didn't tell you that I was uh, very disappointed. In fact, we, Melly and I processed the news. We got our family. We went through a drive-through, got some burgers. We went to a little park, and I said, after we, we ate our burgers, I said, uh, the reason we've had this impromptu picnic, we've got some, some bad news to tell you about the twins. Well, their eyes got wide and we had their full attention. I said, Bodie has Down syndrome. Maddie said, 
Oh, Down's children are so adorable. They're so cute. Sadie said, I'm so glad that he was born in our family because we'll love him conditionally and he'll love us the same. And then the next thing Maddie said, I wasn't ready for. Maddie said, but wait, you said you had some bad news. What's the bad news? I couldn't have been more prouder of our children. And children get it, that every life is is worthy of being loved and cared for and supported. And, And they might not come in the package that you expect, but... They're a gift from God. Melanie and the, the girls, they passed the test. Me, not so much. It was about two weeks that I, that I struggled and was like a spoiled ch- child in the candy aisle of the grocery store. I, I really did. I thought, really, God? My only son dies, and you give me a child that's broken? You give me one that's, that's, that's got special needs? This just doesn't seem fair. It just doesn't seem equitable. But then after a couple of weeks of getting in this book, this, this compass, this book where we get wisdom and strength and courage and where our faith is increased, it made me see that he's the potter and we're the clay. And his ways are not our ways. And already we're learning more from him than we're teaching him. In fact, I got a picture of, that's Bodie right there. Uh, that's a very special signed baseball that was given to me, hand given to me, a wonderful gift. But the boy behind the baseball is a greater gift that was given to me from my Heavenly Father. So, a little bit of testimony there. I'm going to share a lot of testimony, and certainly we'll be in God's Word on this Sanctity of Human Life week. It's Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. But I've got a confession to make. I have not always been 100% pro-life. And I'll try to share this quickly, but I was was a a bachelor for many, many years, and my family and close friends said, he's never going to get married, he's just going to be a confirmed bachelor. And even though I was a Christian, when one of our friends would get married, it was just sort of like, ah, another one bites the dust. We would see them out of commission and the whole ball and chain thing. And then when they would have a child, it's like, what happened? Oh, the worst possible thing. You know, we'd name our friend, and we said, man, he had a little snotty-nosed brat, a little kid. They're going to tie him down. And I would talk to my friends, and whether they were building a race car or they had a promising sports career or something would be going on, and they were telling a story, and right at the apex, I said, tell me more. Tell me what happened. What happened with your sports journey? Tell me about uh, all these dreams that you had. I said, got married. Got married. Then had a kid. And for me, listening to this, on the outside looking in, it looked like that children were spoilers. And be real careful what you say around your single friends, because honestly, what I heard for years and years as a Christian young man, believing I was pro-life, what I heard, you can't have any nice furniture. You can't, your figure is going to be ruined. Forget about continuing education. Forget about your sports dream. Don't think about getting your pilot's license or building a race car or having any kind of hobbies because if you get those little ankle biters and curtain climbers and crumb eaters, that's it. Your life's over. And the opposite is true. Those babies that God gives us that we get, we get to name and we have a front row seat and see the zeal of living and the zest for learning. And I'm amazed at how much joy and love and laughter God can put in such a tiny package. But initially, I thought that children were, were spoilers. January the 22nd, 1973 was a sad day for America. It was 44 years ago today. In the Roe versus Wade decision, that the Supreme Court justices voted seven to two in their opinion that the Constitution gave us the right to shed innocent blood. Today in the United States, nearly every third pregnancy ends in abortion. There are approximately 3,500 abortions per day. That is 147 per hour and about one every 25 seconds. God help us. Every year, more unborn children die from abortion than Americans died in the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, World Wars I and II, the Korean, Vietnam, and Persian Gulf Wars combined. 
had an opportunity a few years ago to write the book, Losing Cooper, Finding Hope to Grieve Well, and I, I wrote a chapter called Pro-Life, and the editor said, it's too long, you need to shorten it. I said, well, you really can't understand the magnitude of losing a loved one unless you embrace the issue of life, unless you have a starting point, unless you have a firm foundation to know that, that life is from God and it's a gift. You, you don't know at what capacity that you grieve. I, I've got to have it. I've got to say all this about how special babies are and how wonderful they are and how it was God's idea. And the editor said, it, you, it's, it's just too long. We, we insist that you shorten it. So I wrote two chapters. One is children and one is called pro-life, but they're the same chapter. I was just able to say what I'm trying to say this morning. From the book, all life is precious in the sight of God from conception to natural death. If you have had an abortion, please know that this is not an attempt to judge or condemn you. Please realize that God's grace and forgiveness are available to you. You can be healed and completely forgiven. God wants to help you, restore you, and make you whole. However, I make no attempt, I make no apology for believing in the sanctity of human life. In fact, to my skeptical friends, I sometimes ask two questions about those babies in the womb. If it's not human life, what life form is it? And if it's not alive, why is it growing? Steve Farrar, from his book Point Man, said, Before I married, I used to have a BMW. I had a lot of fun with that car. I now have three kids and no, and no BMW. I have an Audi that's eight years old with more than 100,000 miles on it. Hundreds of M&Ms are crushed into the fibers of its carpet, and a teenage Mutant ninja turtles lurk under the seats. When my daughter Rachel was three, she crawled up on the front bumper of my brand new car and sketched a picture on my hood with a rock. Her artwork is still there. My BMW used to be flawless. With three kids, my Audi is anything but. Yet my life has greatly improved. God has brought more blessing into my life through these three children than any material possession ever could. Trust me, it's a lot more fun raising kids than BMWs. Psalm 127.3 is right. Children are a gift from the Lord. May He reward you with them. My wife and I have been blessed by three little lives that have given us more joy than all of the travel, gourmet food, BMWs, and designer clothes that the gold card can buy. May God bless you with as much joy. And may you be smart enough to recognize a good deal when you see it. And by the way, as long as you're going to have one, you might as well go for two or three or four. I know you can't afford it, but you'll sure have a great time. You'll also be very tired, but that's all right. You can rest in heaven. I was surprised when we went from three children to four children, how many people that claim to be pro-life and say they're pro-life, how they started saying things that were very hurtful, and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And even in the church, when our fourth child was on the way, people, and I know they meant it as a joke, but they'd say, do you know what's causing that? And we'd say, hey, you know, Melanie's pregnant with our fourth child. And I'd go, wow, I'm glad it's you and not, not me. And in your heart, you say, I'm glad it's us and not you either, if you've got that attitude. But even family members, even friends took us to task. The world's too populated, uh, you know, your carbon footprint, you know, all the kinds of things that now, now the research is saying we don't have enough workers coming along to care for the aging population. They said, we don't know what happened along the way. We have no clue, but there are not enough workers to sustain the population as we know it. 50 million babies have been aborted. 50 million possible doctors and nurses and teachers and missionaries and dentists and someone that would have found the cure to cancer. 
But talking about how when our family started to grow, I was on the phone speaking with a, a youth pastor friend from Alabama, and we were teaming up to do a thing for youth. And I said, oh, by the way, Melanie is uh, expecting. And I thought she would say congratulations. And she scolded me in no uncertain terms. She said, what? Listen, God's given you a brain. How are you going to pay for college? How are you going to pay for all those weddings? You, you work for ministry. Really, you guys, you guys need to, you need to get, get that under control. You, uh, you know, you, God's given, given you a brain, and you can't afford those children. You don't have enough time to spend with them. And poor Melanie, and she really took me to task. So we, we started talking about the event, and then we were just about to hang up. I said, hey, let me ask you something. And this just, just sort of got dropped into my heart. I said, if you got a call from an attorney, I said, before you hang up, let me ask you about something. If you got a call from an attorney that said a rich uncle of yours that you didn't even know you had passed away and he left you with four exotic cars, a brand new Lamborghini, a brand new Ferrari, you know, a Porsche and another car. I said, what would your attitude be and what would be the attitude of your friends? She said, serious? I said, yeah, just a little scenario. She said, woohoo. She said, I'd be so excited. I'd just be so excited. And my friends would be envious and they'd be so excited. I said, really? Well, God's given you a brain. Have you ever seen how much it costs to change the oil for a Ferrari? Do you know how much it costs for a tune-up for a Lamborghini and what the tag is and the insurance? Why would you be excited about that? You can't afford that. You can't even afford the, the maintenance if they were given to you as a gift. There was a long pause, and she said, touche. I guess it's all according to what you put value in. There's a preacher and a wife who are very, very poor. They already have 14 kids, and now she finds out she's pregnant with number 15. They're living in tremendous poverty, Considering their poverty and the excessive world population, would you consider recommending abortion? In the secular world, most people would say, absolutely. You would have killed John Wesley, one of the greatest evangelists of the 19th century. Another incident, the father is sick, the mother has TB, they have four children, the first is blind, the second died, the third is deaf, and the fourth has TB. The mother finds out she's pregnant again. Given that extreme situation, would you recommend abortion? If so, you would have killed Beethoven. A man raped a 13-year-old black girl and she got pregnant. If you were her parents, would you consider recommending abortion? If so, you would have killed Ethel Waters, the great black gospel singer. Teenage girl is pregnant. She is not married. Her fiancé is not the father of the baby. And he is very upset. Would you recommend abortion? If so, you would have recommended the murder of Jesus Christ. God help us. Patty Mallett was sexually abused as a child and by age 14 was already using drugs and alcohol. When her hardships became too much to bear, she attempted suicide by throwing herself in front of an oncoming truck. Then, while staying in a psychiatric hospital during one of the darkest points of her life, she discovered God through a friend and became a Christian. This conversion, she said, gave her peace of mind. But after just six months, she relapsed back into bad behavior, and at age 17, she discovered she was pregnant. Because of her young age and all of the issues and her difficult situation, many, many people encouraged her to end her pregnancy. Mallet, however, insisted that abortion was never an option, and she went ahead and gave birth to her son, Justin Bieber. She shares that story and her, her courageous story in the book Nowhere But Up. Doctors told 
Pam to abort her son after she became ill because of the pregnancy, and they said it could endanger her life. They put extreme pressure on Pam to have an abortion, have an abortion. You know, all of the reasons people have an abortion, at the very bottom of the list, tiny, tiny percent is the health of the mother and rape and incest, and that's the one they lead with. But a lot of pressure for Pam to abort her child. Pam refused, instead asking God that she would have a healthy baby. And the Lord answered her prayers. And I'm so glad that Tim Tebow is here and that Pam had that little baby who's a, who's a superstar on the gridiron and in every, every arena of life. Every abortion stops a beating heart. Every abortion ends a life. Every abortion robs the world of someone who could have made a real difference to the lives of others. And every abortion robs a person of the opportunity to live life. You know, I had a lot of the reasons that people have abortions and the way to refute it, but I'm not going to have time to do that. But people say, we already have too many mouths to feed. Uh, Women are going to have abortions anyway, so at least make it legal and safe. Abortion is better than teen motherhood. Uh, This could mean the end of my hopes and dreams. It's not a baby. It's just a blob of tissue. It's my body. It's my choice. You know, people say, how dare the government tell me what to do with my body? Uh, Every time you drive in your car, you put on a seatbelt, and they tell you you need to do this because it's safe, and you comply. Uh, You don't see people riding around Gulfport, riding a motorcycle without a helmet, The government makes them do something for their safety, and it's not a woman's choice. Two people go into the abortion clinic, only one comes out, and they have oftentimes a different blood type, and they're two different breathing, living people. So you talk about choice. We need to give that little baby a choice. That's in the fabric of America that that the citizen has the the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of, of happiness And so we need to be a voice for that one that has no voice. Uh, People say, I can't face my my parents. And I don't know who's in the room and how God will water the seeds that are planted on this with this pro-life message. Maybe there's a middle schooler here and you're hearing these words and years from now you find yourself on the college campus and you find yourself with an unplanned pregnancy and you say, I can't can't tell my parents, my dad would kill me, I'm going to disappoint my my family so much, I'm just going to go get an abortion. Please, please don't do that. Two wrongs don't make a right. Please don't end the life of that pure, precious, sweet little baby. And, and I don't know who in the room has had an abortion. We talked about how God wants to heal and he wants to forgive completely, unconditionally, not partial forgiveness. You can be totally forgiven. Had an opportunity years ago to preach a sermon about pro-life, and I received a text message from one of our church members. I won't even use her first name. And she said, when we were in college, one of my best friends found themselves in a place, felt like they were painted into a corner. They felt like they had no options. They didn't want to tell their parents, didn't want the humiliation and the disappointment. So she said, my friend asked if I would drive her to the abortion clinic. Now I'm reading this, this message. And she said she drove her friend Her friend had the abortion. She said, every single year that goes by, I remember that date. And it wasn't even my baby. And if if I feel so guilty, and if I have that shame, and I wish I'd have done more and said more, and I know I didn't have the abortion, but I was there to sort of endorse it and support that, and I was just trying to be a good friend. But every year that goes by, It's like that alarm on your phone. It's like, this is that day that you drove your friend to have the abortion. She said, if I suffer and if I'm guilty, what must that mother feel? And all the other mothers who just felt like they had no other option, please, please choose life. And please allow the Lord to help you and to to heal you and forgive you. So many things I wanted to share, but we're coming to the end of our time together. So let me give you three takeaways. Number one, agree with God's word about life. God is pro-life. Every time a little baby is born, he says that with such authority that he wants, he wants life to go on. 
1 Samuel, the first chapter, I was going to talk about Hannah and Eli and little Samuel, and you know Hannah's plight, and she so wanted to have a baby, and she was there crying and praying in such anguish, and Eli saw that. She said, if I could just conceive, I'll dedicate my child to the Lord, and you know the story and how greatly God used Samuel. I was reading last week about Jacob, and he wanted... Rachel, and he worked for Uncle Laban for seven years, and he got tricked, and he got Leah instead. And you probably know that story. If you work another seven years, you can have Rachel. But I missed this, and I was just reading in my daily devotion in Genesis 29, 31. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. When he saw that she was not loved, he rewarded her with a baby. You hear of of women that get on the phone and they call their best friend, what's the matter? Oh, I'm so upset, I'm so upset. The worst possible thing that could happen, the worst possible timing. I don't know how I'm going to tell my husband, what? What's the matter? I'm pregnant. What? You don't have cancer. You've been given a gift from Almighty God. You've been given the best gift. A baby that's going to look like you and look like your spouse and have some traits of your grandparents and your favorite uncle. You're going to have a front row seat to watch that zeal and that zest for life and the giggles and the hugs and getting them out of the tub and all of the love and the joy. Now, I know some of you mothers with toddlers are in a a hard season. I know that. Some of you that, that have teenagers, you say, this doesn't sound like what we're experiencing at our house. And this too shall pass. But please don't, please don't uh, say no to that gift that God wants to give you because He says it's a blessing. He says they're our heritage. He says He's rewarded you if you have a child. So let's agree with God's Word about life. The verses that He gives us to look after the widows and the orphans. So number one, agree with God's Word about life. Number two, Adopt an attitude that's pro-life. Please, when you hear some, some person that's, that's their, they have their third or fourth child, don't be one of the ones that, that, that you're snarky and say, don't you, you know, it must be something in the water. Don't you know what's causing this? That, that's cute and that might sound funny, but, but for somebody that maybe even as a Christian parent, that uh, the twins that we had on the way, were that was an unplanned pregnancy. We weren't planning that. And we, we were worried that we would have the money and the time and the energy. But we, we heard those comments, and, and those are hurtful. Be pro-life in every way. Adopt an, an attitude that's pro-life. Proverbs 31, verse 8, open your mouth for the speechless. In the cause of all who are appointed to die, be a voice for that little one who has no voice. So number one, agree with God's word about life. Number two, adopt an attitude about, that's pro-life. Rejoice when you hear of someone who's, who's able to have a baby. And, and some in the room that have tried and wanted to have a baby and you're not able, I certainly don't want to pour salt in your wounds. Number three, our actions. Pro-life actions. Pray for the Holocaust to end. I wanted to talk about partial birth abortions, but I'm I'm not going to have the time. Support the Crisis Pregnancy Center. Something very practical that you can do this morning. When you walk out, get one of those baby bottles and stuff that dude with $20 bills. Support your local Crisis Pregnancy Center. You can volunteer. You can take diapers. You can do something as simple as buying a pro-life tag for your car. We do that because part of the proceeds go to Mississippi Pregnancy Centers. So your actions have pro-life actions. And then something I'm so excited and I celebrate with you is the foster care, the resource families. Wow, you guys got the attention of the governor and he is touting Michael Memorial Baptist Church for your heart that's as big as Texas to take in these children and, and adoption and all of these other things that tie in with that. So foster care, adoption, they had a picture In the first grade, in the picture, all of the family members looked one way, and one child looked totally opposite. And some of the little first graders said, that doesn't make sense, and they were trying to talk about it. Somebody said, oh, that child must be adopted. And the little one said, well, what's what's adopted? And one little girl said, well, I'm adopted. And they said, what does that mean? 
She said, being adopted means instead of growing in your mom's tummy, you grow in her heart. So, agree with God's word about life. God is pro-life, and if you want to be on his side, embrace that issue. Number two, adopt an attitude that's pro-life. And number three, pro-life actions. When you leave this room, pray for this modern-day Holocaust to end. Support crisis pregnancy centers. Volunteer. Help financially. Buy a pro-life tag. Support someone who chooses life. That woman that was abortion-minded and she chooses life, help her with diapers. Open up your home. Come alongside her with encouragement, foster care, adoption. And then as we are about to conclude, you know earlier I talked about the different wars and how many abortions that we've had. You hear these statistics and you hear these numbers and it's easy not to get a real handle on this. So I want us to watch a very short two-minute clip. Instead of me saying these things, let's just listen to the sound of abortion. Listen to this. Right where you are, I just want you to, right there in your seats, just shut your eyes. What you're about to hear are the sounds of metal BBs striking the side of a tin can. For every BB that strikes, it represents 10,000 lives lost in the wars of America's past. 10,000 lives for every BB. This is the reality of what is occurring in your country. The American Revolution. The Civil War. World War One. World War Two. The Korean Conflict. Conflict in Vietnam, September 11th and the War on Terror. Since 1973, the God help us indeed. That's why we're here on the 44th anniversary of Roe v. Wade to ask you, no, to beg you to choose life. Let me end with a story and then I'll ask Tony to come up and share the invitation. Our son Cooper had died in an accident, as I mentioned, and for the next few months we tried to keep our younger children busy, and we took them to a lot of activities to sort of run interference and take their mind off that terrible tragedy. And we went to a circus. It was one of the little circuses that stops in town, and we got there a little bit early, and the, the ringmaster said, the circus is going to start in 20 minutes, and before it starts, if you want, we've got an elephant back in the back, and if you like, your children can have an elephant ride. So I asked the kids, do you want to ride an elephant? And they said, do we? You know, so we went back in the back, and there was an elephant, and there was a mat about twice as big as your living room, and there was a line there, and they were so excited. We got up to the guy, thought three or four dollars for to ride the elephant, and we got up there, and I had the parcel of children behind me, and I said, uh, I said, how much for the elephant ride? The guy said, eight bucks. I thought, whoa. I started counting heads. I said, well, how many times does it go around? He said, one time. And he was kind of like, take it, for, take it or leave it. Get on out of the way if you're not going to. I started, my Dave Ramsey side kicked in. And I thought, 10 seconds times $8. I said, you know what? Daddy might have spoke too soon. I said, uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to, to ride this elephant afterwards. 
After all, Maddie, our most shy child who rarely ever spoke, stepped out from the others and said, Dad, it's an elephant. And I started to hem-haw, and I started to backpedal, and I said, yeah, but we could take the money for, to do something different, and I wish I hadn't got your hopes up, and I wish I, you know, at $8, she took another step forward and said, Dad, it's an elephant. With, with one word, she was saying, this is bigger than you realize. This looks like a dinosaur to us. We've only seen an elephant and coloring books. And years from now, when we're, people are, we see a show about an elephant or somebody says something about an elephant, we're going to say, yeah, we actually had an opportunity to ride one. And Dad knocked us out of it. <laughs> With one word, she was saying, this is bigger than you realize. Don't, don't let this opportunity pass. So I, I started to make excuses, and Maddie stepped up and said, Dad, it's an elephant. And then I started to backpedal and, and started to waffle a little bit. She stepped up again and said, Dad, it's an, it's an elephant, little six-year-old Maddie. And I started making more excuses. Maddie took one more step, very uncharacteristic for her, and she got in my face and she blocked everything out and she was two inches away from my face. And for the third time she said, Dad, it's an elephant. So the kids got to ride the elephant and the newspaper was there, and they took a picture, and they were on the front page of the paper the next day. I wish I had the newspaper clipping to show you. But why do we pray? Why do we support the Pregnancy Center? Why do we ask you to be a resource family? Why do people picket out in front of abortion meals? Why the effort? Why the sacrifice and the prayers and the stance to be pro-life? Why buy a tag? a pro-life tag for your vehicle. Why, why this Sunday morning? I'll conclude with this. It's a baby. It's a baby. It's a baby. Thank you and God bless you.